Thanks for inviting me to uh, be part of this series uh, that you're looking at as Everyday Church today. Um, I really count it as a privilege to uh, be here with you, looking forward um, to all that God might say to us uh, through His Word today. As you well know, we've been uh, looking at this series entitled Identity, mostly looking at characters from uh, Genesis, so I'm going to be doing the same today. Now, my subtitle, if you like, for this uh, speech, uh, this talk today is going to be um, Being Prophetic. Um, and prophecy is a gift from God, but not only that, it describes who we are as people. I'm sure that you're aware that when you become a Christian, when you first repent and you know Jesus is your Savior, uh, you know that that's not the end of the story, it's only re really the beginning. And Honestly, from the moment you become a Christian, you start on this wonderful, wonderful adventure. God has got so many things in store for you. It's great to know the work of the cross, but the cross is an access point into the abundant life that God has intended for all of us to have. And one of the things that God gives to us is the privilege of hearing his voice, but not only hearing his voice, but also speaking his voice to others. In fact, you could describe the church as a prophetic people. And what I mean by that is we're a people who've heard from God, but we're here in a world that doesn't know the voice of God to declare God's voice to them, whether that's the gospel or whether it's explaining how to live, how to relate to one another. In fact, there are verses in the Bible that even say, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is uh, demonstrated. And so we are a prophetic people, in terms of we can hear from God and speak God's word, but we're also prophetic in that we demonstrate the way that we live. So we're going to continue today to look at the story of Joseph. Um, Joseph was clearly a man with a prophetic gift. It actually became his very identity. It described the life that he lived. In Genesis 32, uh, he prophesies. He declares to his brothers, his father and mother, that he uh, has this prophetic word from God, and it actually is all about him standing tall and his brothers and his family actually bowing down to him. Uh, he's 17 years old, and I can imagine that his brothers, who are older than him, and his mother and father had problems with this prophetic word. Um, what I love about it, he's so naive, he just gives the prophetic word anyway, and the response isn't exactly what he has in mind. We'll see a bit later that prophecy is something that always needs to be weighed. Well, the brothers, the father and mother weighed this prophetic word about bowing down to their younger brother, and they decided it was not from God. And so their weighing was to possibly stone him, which can happen to prophets sometimes. They decided to put him to death. But in reality, what happens is that he's sold into slavery and then he goes to Egypt. And without knowing it, the prophetic word that Joseph has given is actually now coming to pass. 
What happens next is that in Genesis uh, 39, we read the story of uh, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Potiphar, his, his, his wife has decided that um, she is going to get hold of Joseph. She kind of thinks he's a young man. Everyone's off for the day. No one's in the house. She's determined that he's going to come with her, lay down with her, have sex with her, and he's determined that that's not going to happen. He runs away, and uh, Potter's wife lies and says, Joseph is the one who came for me. He is then imprisoned uh, and, and absolutely unjustly finds himself in a prison cell. Languishing in prison, I'm sure that Joseph must have thought himself, when it comes to prophecy, it needs, leads to nothing but absolute trouble. All it's ever given me is a worse scenario followed by a worse scenario. God is still working out his purposes. And in Genesis chapter 40, we find the story of Pharaoh's cupbearer and his baker, who for some reason have angered the king, the Pharaoh, and they've been put into prison. And guess what? They come into the same prison as Joseph. I'd like to read this passage from Genesis chapter 40, which describes the story that we're looking at together today. It says this, And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, We have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. Then in verse 14, he, having described to the cupbearer his dream and interpreting it prophetically, he says to the cupbearer, when he gets back into Pharaoh's household, only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit." sad part of this story is having interpreted prophetically the dream that he had and the cupbearer being restored, it goes on to say that he forgot about uh, Joseph and Joseph stays languishing in the prison. What then happens is that um, the cupbearer one day is listening to a, a whole kind of noise going around the palace because the pharaoh himself has had dreams and no one can interpret them. And then suddenly the cupbearer thinks, I might know someone who can. His name is Joseph. He's in prison. To cut a long story short, Joseph comes before the Pharaoh, interprets his dreams in a way that no one else can because of the prophetic gift that Joseph has got. He then rises to a powerful position in Egypt. The story goes on in Genesis to tell us that eventually his brothers come to visit him and there we see the very prophecy he had as a 17-year-old beginning to be fulfilled. Because literally these brothers, figuratively speaking, bow down to him and he is able to meet their needs. This is an amazing story about prophetic words and we can learn some lessons for us as individuals today and actually for everyday church as a whole community. What are some of the lessons that we learn from this passage? Well, firstly... Joseph was a prophetic 
person anointed by God. It's interesting to me that the gift that he had received, he never found that it departed from him. God gave him the gift and it remained with him. And it's fascinating in that, that passage we just read in verse 18 speaks about the fact that, that, that he says to the, um, to the cupbearer and, and he says to uh, the baker, these are the dreams that you've given to me and I can interpret them. It's an amazing thing because you'd, you'd have thought by now he's saying, forget it. If anyone wants to interpret any dreams, I'm not going to because it just leads me into trouble. But he actually says, look at this, it says, he says, tell me your dreams. I, I believe God's given me a gift. I can actually interpret these things uh, to you. And so he's kind of like earnestly desiring to still keep moving in the gift that God has given to him. And it's wonderful because it's no longer about Joseph and people bowing down to him. It's now about how can I serve you? You can see that Joseph is changing. His character is changing. The prophetic word that God has given to him is now being lined up by the way he's living his life. It's no longer about me, it's about other people. And when we get to prophesy, it isn't really about us either. It's about how we can serve the people of God. It's not my ministry. He's genuinely doing good to others. Here's another lesson that we can learn. It's that the prophetic word that jo Joseph had all those years ago has shaped his life even when things don't turn out the way he hoped they would. Sometimes we can prophesy, sometimes prophecies come into our lives and we immediately expect we're going to sail through. Actually, in reality, it shapes us. It's not just like a one-off word. It defines who we are as people. Here's another lesson we can learn. If ever there is an example of prophecy not being fulfilled instantly, it's here, right here in this passage. There's this long delay from the prophetic word, even interpreting the cupbearer, we don't know how long it is, but it's a long delay before that prophetic interpretation is honoured and he comes before Pharaoh. Here is the reality. Often prophecy is not fulfilled straight away. Often, it takes time for it to become a reality. Sometimes it can be almost automatic, but a lot of times, if you prophetically bring something or receive a prophecy, there seems to be a delay, trials, character change. Delays, I think, are important because it challenges our faith. Whenever there's a delay of something I feel God's promised me and it doesn't come to pass straight away, I go through this battle, am I going to believe God? Am I going to keep on believing God? Am I going to trust him in what I believe he's said to me? Delays can cause more faith to rise so that they can become a reality. Now remember, if God speaks prophetically, then the timing of when he causes it to come to pass is perfect. It may not fit in with your desire or timing, but it fits in with God's timing perfectly. Another prophet in, in, uh, called Habakkuk, actually he's having a conversation with God and God says to him, write down the vision. Though it delay, it will come exactly at the right time. So we can learn a number of lessons from the life of Joseph. I want to take us on a little bit of a journey from Joseph up until the present day. Let me remind you of what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, making a comment on how God speaks to people. It says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. 
But in these days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. There's a kind of journey throughout the Old Testament. God raises up prophets. It says here in Hebrews, God spoke through his promise. What, prophets, one of the ways that God has communicated to his people, to the world, is through the prophets that he's raised up. They were the ones who spoke God's voice. And the Spirit of God would come upon them. They would speak the word of God, and then the Spirit of God would leave them, and then he would come back upon them again, and they would prophesy. When we follow the journey, we come into the New Testament, we find that there are people who are still recognized as prophets. There was a guy called Agapus who met with the apostles and he prophesied over them. It speaks of Philip having four daughters who all prophesied. In Ephesians chapter 4, it mentions that there is the role of the prophet that God has given to build up the church. But I want you to really grasp today that there is a fundamental difference from the Old Testament to the New, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins and then rose again from the dead and then ascended to the right hand of the Father on high, the promise was that he would pour out his Holy Spirit upon the church. And so those of us who are born again and now in Christ, we are living in an age of the Spirit since the day of Pentecost. And let me remind you of what was quoted on the day of Pentecost by Peter from Acts chapter 2, where he describes what's going on. It says this, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and look at this, and they shall prophesy. What, what's the big difference? It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, which means that anybody can now prophesy. You don't have to be a prophet to have the ability to prophesy. We're in this age of the Spirit. All people can prophesy. It's gone from a few individuals to now a corporate anointing upon us all. That means you. If you're a child of God, you can prophesy. It means that we, as a people of God, who are very ordinary, nothing special about us, but when the Spirit of God is upon us as He is, because the Spirit of God, it says, has come to, upon us and remains with us, Anointed by the Spirit, we can move in prophetic words. 1 Corinthians 12 describes the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wonderful declaration of all the gifts of the Spirit. All these gifts are now available to you and me. You say, well, I've only just been a Christian a few months, or you should know some of the hassles that I'm having in my life at the moment, or I don't feel I'm qualified. Well, the Bible is very clear. The qualification is to... Be a child of God. You don't have to be doing very well. You don't have to have been a Christian for a number of years. If the Spirit of God is working in you and is upon you, then you're able to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, in the New Covenant, we still say, that guy is a prophet, or that woman has got a clear prophetic gift. And that's still true. But mostly now, the prophetic 
is given to the body of Christ. It's no longer a case of waiting for the big prophet to turn up and we all sit there and listen to all his prophesying. If the big prophet does turn up, one of his responsibilities is to impart the prophetic gift so that when he's moved on to another town, we, the people of God, are prophesying more than ever before. So let's look at this and ask ourselves a question and now start to make this more and more practical. What is prophecy? What is this gift that God has given to us? Let's quickly just look into this. 1 Corinthians 14 verses 1 to 3. Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. I want you to notice in verse 14 it says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Another translation says prophecy is of most importance. So of all the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy seems to be elevated just somewhat and I think it's important that we register that because it's God's intention that we as church communities should particularly give ourselves to the prophetic gift. It doesn't mean the other gifts of the Spirit are not important. They all are. They should all be working amongst us. They're wonderful gifts from God but especially that you might prophesy. I want to suggest to you there are four areas we can look at in answering the question what is prophecy? The first is this, prophecy builds up the church. We've read it there in, in that very scripture in verse 3. The pro one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding. This is a wonderful gift because the result of this gift is when you prophesy, individuals and the church body are just encouraged and they are built up. It builds up the church. We live in a secular age where many of us find our heads are down because we're surrounded, bombarded by so many things against the heart of God and against the word of God. Prophetic words just lift us, change our perspective, remind us of who God is, builds us up in our faith in Jesus. It's a fantastic gift. Not only does it just build us up, it says there in verse 3, this gift is given for our encouragement, and it says this gift is given for our consolation, which means for comfort. Every time someone prophesies, the result should be that we feel built up, encouraged and comforted. You should always feel like that after a prophetic word has come. Even if the prophetic word has a kind of rebuke in us, maybe the word says, come on people, wake up, you've been asleep. Always you should feel encouraged and comforted you should feel built up in your faith. I, I've been in meetings where prophetic words have come and it's just like made me feel condemned, made me feel I'm not worthy, kind of dumped on. I want to say to you that if that's how you feel, I doubt that is the prophetic word from God. There is no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. We should never be condemned. Even God has got something kind of quite strong to say to us, it will come in a way that we still feel encouraged and we still feel beat up, built up. <laughs> the second uh, way that we can describe what prophecy is, it, is it this, it reveals 
God's heart for us as a people. It's God's now word for me, or God's now word for us as a church community. And prophecy is wonderful because it reminds us of God's intimate knowledge of us and what's going on in our lives. I find that prophetic words often bring wonderful answers, revelation, wonderful answers to what's going on in my life. Let me give you a a personal illustration. About 10 years ago, I was um, going through a kind of burnout, and basically what happened was that physically, my body kind of closed down. I couldn't do anything, I couldn't work, I couldn't travel, I couldn't minister, I couldn't really do very much at all. And I remember waking up in the morning, going down into my study, I could hardly pray, I could hardly um, uh, read the Word of God, but one thing I could do was worship. And so I began to (coughs) worship, and I would worship and worship and sing (coughs) and and worship God, and then I'd find that um, after a while I would think, let's go on to something else now, but because I was so exhausted I couldn't do anything else, I would just worship again. And it was a very strange time in my life because everything was going on around me, I didn't know or understand what was happening to me. But God sovereignly had kind of got my attention. And part of my testimony is that worship had been something that had been missing in my life. It had just been replaced by busy ministry and traveling around a lot, and I just wasn't worshiping. And then a friend, who I've known for many years, sent to me from a nation many, many miles away a prophetic word. They'd been praying for me, and they felt God had spoken to me. <clears throat> and what they did was they saw, they saw a picture of me, and they saw me in a theater. And I was in this theater, and I was doing a singing dance routine, a bit like Fred Astaire. Apparently, I had a really nice top hat and a cane. And I was dancing away, and, and my face was turned upwards, and I was full of joy, and I was smiling. The only problem was there wasn't a single person in the theater according to this prophetic word, even there watching me. And then the person who had this word said this, I feel God wants to say to you, he's drawn you aside because the days of performing before people are over and now you're to learn to live before an audience of one. That prophetic word changed what was the next five or six months until I fully recovered. As I realized that Prophecy was revealing God's heart to me as an individual. It's a fantastic gift. Third thing we can see about prophecy is this. Prophecy can shape a person's life. Just like Joseph, the prophecy shaped the way that he lived, the way that he spent the rest of his life. Prophetic words are wonderful because they actually shape how you live. I'm going to use several illustrations from my own life if I may, it doesn't really matter if you like it or not because I'm the one speaking, but the reality is this. Um, Just very recently, I was with a group of pastors and I've been thinking about how I'm living and the things I'm doing. I wasn't quite sure if I was doing the right thing. And as we prayed together, uh, uh, one guy came and had this prophetic word. He said, I saw you uh, digging vineyards and I felt God wanted to say to you, you've been digging vineyards for many, many years You've been kind of doing all the hard work. You've been digging out these vineyards. He said, I feel God is saying to you, because I saw you with some secateurs in your hand. He said, the days of digging are over and the days of pruning are now beginning for you. Others will go and dig vineyards, but you'll prune them. And of course, pruning vineyards actually produces much more fruit 
than digging. And so I didn't feel I was losing something through this prophetic word, but something that I was gaining. From that day till this, it's changed my diary. It's changed the things I do, where I go, who I speak to, things that I turn away that I shouldn't do because they used to be digging situations. And I'm looking now constantly, Lord, how can I prune these things? And that all came out of prophetic word. You can see that I'm quite excited about prophesying and prophetic words. They're really, really important. And then the next thing that we see from, um, from this is this, that prophecy, and this is kind of obvious really, predicts the future. Prophecy starts to declare things about not today, about tomorrow. And these are things that God reveals that no man knows. The Bible's full of prophecy that's like prediction. And so we have to see that part of prophesying is speaking into the future. Starting to declare things that we need to change. Things that we need to do differently. Things that are really on God's heart for all that he has. I think we're living in a, an, in a moment when the word of God comes and shapes our lives and, and predicts things over our lives. All he wants for us to do is to be a very, very responsive people. Prophecy predicts the future. Prophe prophecy shapes our lives. And it could be for you as an individual, something you're wondering about the future and God brings something to you that shows you where to go and how to go there. Or it could be for us as a local church community that God speaks to us and ministers to us. We had an interesting experience as a local church, the church I'm a part of in southeast London. We began this year, we've got all our teaching programs mapped out. I'm sure every day, in fact I know every day church has all their teaching plans mapped out well in advance. We are like that too and so we, we, we work out the whole year what we're going to be preaching and in January of this year we had four Sundays um, where we were going to bring words about what we felt God was saying to us as a church. And we were going to start a series on Philippians at the beginning of February. Throughout the month of January, God spoke to us prophetically through various different people. And basically the word was, it's time for you to get moving. And the word was this, God is on the move, but if you want to move with him, you're going to have to make changes in your life individually and corporately, one after prophecy after another, God kept saying this to us. So as an eldership team, we got together and we said, well, what are we going to do with this? And the answer was, we stopped the thought of doing Philippians in February because we felt it was time for us to respond to the prophetic word. We couldn't just hear from God, ignore it and go on. And so we started the new series starting in February with an amazing title. It took us ages to come up with this. The title was called Move. Isn't that amazing? But the title Move described God's desire to move towards us and our desire to move towards him. So week after week after week, we looked at the different things that God was speaking to us about how we could make moves. That's an example of God prophetically speaking to us about our future as a church and I don't know about you, but I love being in a church where we're courageous enough to say, okay, we had a plan, but God has spoken, so maybe it's time to change the plan. And guess what? Last week, we started a new series on Philippians. <laughs> we're back on course. It's not like we didn't preach that word. We're now going through that series. But we had a couple of months, really dramatically, many people would say, where God moved in the lives of our people. Summing all that up, I think you would agree with me that prophecy is a, is a remarkable, powerful gift. 
the potential to change churches and lives, predict the future, build up the body of Christ, reveal God's heart, answer questions. Potentially, I guess we could say, it's a powerful gift that can be abused. It's a powerful gift that in the wrong hands can cause damage. If people prophesy with wrong motives, that could have devastating results on people. In order for us to be clear and to avoid that, the Bible does talk about how to handle prophecy. One of the main things throughout Scripture that it uses is this, that prophecy, because it's so powerful and so directive, it really needs to be weighed. When a prophecy comes, we don't just blindly follow what it says. We don't just go along with it. We ask questions. Does this fit into what we feel God is saying to us? Prophecy can be weighed by other people, by the congregation. What do we all feel? Sometimes prophecy is weighed by the eldership team. Sometimes prophecy is weighed by other prophets. What do you think? Is this God? I think when there's a prophecy, there needs to be a conversation. That's what it means to weigh prophetic words. And so it's important that prophecy is always weighed. And interestingly, just give you this for free, if someone comes and says to me, Dave, I've got a prophetic word for you, before they give it, I always grab a friend and say, this person has a prophetic word. I want you to weigh this word with me. Never have prophetic words in isolation. Never be on your own. Always be somebody who weighs prophecy. And if you're just you weighing it, you might get it wrong, but someone else can weigh it with you and confirms this is the word of the Lord or not. Let me just say some important things about prophecy because I want us all to prophesy. I hope these things are helpful as we're trying to learn these things together. Prophecy confirms what God is already saying. <clears throat> In other words, God is speaking to you. And the wonderful things about prophetic words is they come and they confirm what God is already saying. Don't believe prophecy comes randomly in isolation, contradicting everything else that's going on in your life. I've always found it really helpful to have that emphasis that prophecy confirms what I'm already sensing God is saying. Here's another thing. Prophecy never contradicts Scripture. I know that many of you would take that as for granted, but it's an important point to make. If anyone prophesies anything that contradicts Scripture or even adds to it with you know, some extra revelation, then I think we can be pretty sure that this is not of God and it needs to be addressed. Here's another thing about prophecy, and it's about all the gifts of the Spirit, actually. And it's about churches like ours that get this sort of thing wrong sometimes. These gifts of the Spirit, like prophecy, are for life and not just for meetings. Now, I've been raised in a generation where lots of prophecies happen in meetings, but actually we can limit the gifts of the Spirit if it's just for <coughs> half an hour or something, 40 minutes on a Sunday morning or evening. I, I want to encourage you that the gift of prophecy can be operating with your, with your family, when you're with your friends, when you're with the neighbor, talking over the fence, when you're in the workplace. The gifts of the Spirit can be manifest. Jesus sat down with the woman at the well and he had prophetic insight into her life, words of knowledge. That wasn't in the synagogue. It wasn't in the meeting. It was sitting by a well. We should be encouraged that prophetic words, gifts of the Spirit, are for every moment of life as well as in our meetings. Also, it should happen in meetings. <laughs> Here's another thing about prophecy. Prophecy is when God uses you and me and speaks through us. 
I want to emphasize that prophecy is when God speaks through you. Whoever you are, God will speak through you as you. He will use your personality. He will use your temperament. If you come from Yorkshire, you will prophesy with a Yorkshire accent. If you're a London and you're Cockney, guess what? It's going to come out like that. That's God using you as you are. I'm always very nervous of somebody whose voice changes when they prophesy. And suddenly they become all terribly spiritual and it's all very mystical and we can hardly recognize the person who's prophesying. When you prophesy, it's you. And when you prophesy, you know exactly what's going on. You don't go into a trance. You can start prophesying. You can stop prophesying. But God does use you as you are. This is not a performance. And prophecy needs to be brought with humility. Why does it need to be brought with humility? Because the Bible says we only prophesy in part. If I have a prophetic word from God, it's not about perfection. It's not about me getting all the words necessarily right. So I bring it with humility because I recognize that my understanding and my knowledge is limited. I'm not God. I'm being used by God, but I'm very aware of my frailty and my weakness. Finally today, let's just round this off in a practical way by saying, how do I as a Christian grow in the prophetic? I'd suggest to you there are four answers to that. Here they go. Number one, be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, well-known verses, verse 18 to 19, and do not get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And that's true of all the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Be being filled, it says here in Ephesians chapter 5, constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, and because of that, you'll begin to flow in the things of the Spirit. I want to really encourage you today, if you want to prophesy, stay close to the Holy Spirit. He is your helper. You can't prophesy on your own. The more you're filled with the Spirit, the more you'll hear the voice of the Spirit. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. Well, his voice sometimes can feel a little bit like a whisper, but the closer you get to the shepherd, the more likely you are to hear his voice. When we as Christians are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is not a one-off experience to be forgotten about as the years go by. It's about having an ongoing relationship with a person called the Holy Spirit. And the more we're filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, the more we'll be open to move in the gifts, and that includes especially prophecy. Second thing is this. We have to make sure that our motives are right when we bring prophetic words. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1, it says there, pursue love. And immediately, before we get into gifts of the Spirit and prophecy, it's instructing me to make sure that the, the reason that I prophesy is from a motive of love, which is why 1 Corinthians 13, right in the midst of teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, is all emphasizing the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2 says this, And if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. I mean, that's a really powerful thing. You can prophesy, but if you don't have love, it's just a kind of noise. 
And so I have to check, why, why am I wanting this gift? Why do I prophesy? It is because I have a motive and a desire because I love the people of God. This is not about self-promotion, look at me, my ministry, it's all for the church. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. To each one, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. These gifts are not about me and for me, therefore the people of God. Thirdly, the way we grow in the prophetic is to earnestly desire. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, not only pursue love, but also earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Is that your desire? No one's going to force you. God's not going to force you to move in prophetic words. But if you desire and you see today what a wonderful gift this is, it's part of who I am, my identity, then I want to encourage you to really earnestly desire gifts of the Holy Spirit, including prophecy. I was born again in 1972. It's a long, long, long time ago. And uh, I was born again into a, a period of time in church history in this country called the Charismatic Renewal. And uh, I come from a background where the gifts of the Spirit were unknown. People were actually quite nervous of the Holy Spirit, didn't talk much about him. And then suddenly there's this outpouring of the Spirit across all denominations. And it was a time of rich inheritance and much activity in the gifts of the Spirit. Many, many people earnestly desired to move in the gifts. And because of that, guess what? There were lots of gifts of the Spirit operating in our meetings and beyond our meetings as well. My observation is the day in which we live now, that which was precious has become very familiar to us. And we grow up with that sense of, well, it's just gifts of the Spirit. And so consequently, less people earnestly desire to move in these things. And guess what? Because we don't earnestly desire, we have less gifts of the Spirit in our gatherings than we've had in the past. And that's really sad. I want to really encourage you, isn't it time for more prophecy? Isn't it time for some change so that we actually begin to see more of these gifts operating amongst us? And then fourthly, I believe we grow when we keep going in the gifts of the Spirit. Many people prophesy once. Why did they only prophesy once? Well, because they didn't keep going in the things of the Spirit. They, they just prophesied and it dried up and they stopped. I want to encourage you, if you believe or want and would love to be prayed for even today to have the gift of prophecy and you start to prophesy, don't just do it once. Keep on prophesying. Keep on hearing from God. Keep on bringing these gifts so that they're able to operate and they don't fade away. So it is that Paul says famously to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, for this reason I remind you, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my, hand, of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Notice it says, Timothy, you fan into flame. Timothy, you used to prophesy, You've now stopped it. Come on, get that thing going. The embers are still there. Let the Spirit blow on it. And there may be people here today who have prophesied in the past. It's all dried up. I want to encourage you, reignite again. Come again. Let the Spirit of God blow on those embers so that you can start to prophesy. From the life of Joseph, we see a man with a wonderful prophetic gift. It shaped the whole of his life. And we learn so many lessons from what he went through. Today, things have moved forward. It's now all of us who have the 
ability to move in the gifts of the Spirit, especially that we might prophesy. I want to close by really making an appeal and making uh, a charge to us, if you like, that we should be a people who really are prophetic. Not only speaking prophetic words, but living prophetically. We are a voice, not only to one another, but to the nation and the neighborhoods in which we live. I pray that part of our identity increasingly is that we live under the anointing of the prophetic word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that causes that prophecy to rise up and to glorify God and to build up the church. Isn't that what you want to do? It's what I want to do. Let's be those who respond to the word of God today and say, yes, Lord, make me a prophetic person. Let's pray together. Father, I really want to thank you for this series, Identity. I want to thank you that one of the things that shapes us and describes us is prophecy. And part of our identity is you have made us to be a prophetic people. And I pray today that, that this congregation will be full of men and women, old and young, who get so stirred once again that prophetic words begin to flow again. That everyday church becomes a community renowned for being open to the prophetic, willing to change when the prophetic comes, willing to become a prophetic people into the wider community that we're living in. And I ask it in the name of Jesus for a fresh anointing of your spirit to be poured out upon us as a community for the sake of Southwest and South London that we would see you come and do a remarkable, remarkable work. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.